segment of the Christian church has encouraged us to pray for our president today. And I think the Apostle Paul and his teachings encouraged us to always be in prayer for our government officials and our leaders. So as I pray to begin this message, I'll just simply make that kind of prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you for the privilege we have coming to you with our deepest concerns of our hearts. Father, we recognize how difficult it is to be in positions of leadership, period, but to be in positions of leadership in our country and countries around the world today. Father, I pray for all those that are attempting to lead us, as our president and others are attempting to do. Father, may they experience wisdom, a deep concern for those that they're called to govern. And Father, even to say that they'll be honoring of you. Amen. I'm really glad of the theme again of a road trip. A road trip theme is wonderful. I'm going to be going on a road trip real soon in a couple days to southern Wisconsin for my mother's 90th birthday party. There's 85 members of the immediate family of us, eight, my mom and the eight children, and it extends out from that to children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. There's 85 of my mom. And there'll probably be well over 130 people who are there just to simply express their appreciation for my mother. Who has touched lives? She's kind of overwhelmed by this. She really is a loner, and she's not looking forward to this, and at the same time she is. She says, I won't even hear what half of them are saying. But I'm going on a road trip, a special road trip to be with my family at a special time. We know as we look at these elements of the road trip here that we're not talking about just a literal road trip, we're talking about a spiritual road trip. In the near future, we're going to look to carry this theme a little bit farther. We're going to look at a few people in the Old Testament on their journey of life, and they're very different. What's the road trip of Esther? Spiritual road trip of a very pagan king who came to God at the end of his life, Manasseh, and how about the one who was faithful, Samuel? But this morning, I have for moments, and we will extend a little bit longer today because we want to share communion. We don't want to rush it today. But the morning theme is community, and I want to link the, this idea of traveling together in community spiritually with communion because I think it's very, very important. You know how important community is, how important to be part of a group. There's two pictures that are very, very different here, and I want to put them up there for you. How would you like to be the person that doesn't feel part of the group? It's very difficult. It's very difficult if you feel like you're outside of the group, outside of a community. It's much better to be this picture, which shows, hey, we're together. We're part of a community. We're part of a group together. And so I think it's important for us to think about the importance of journeying together on this road trip of life together. I want to start with some overarching themes before I come right down to passage in, in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. You can turn to that in anticipation. But there's times when I want to take us back, pick up the big themes. So you can't forget the big themes as we look at individual passages in the Bible. I want to say, first of all, we have to understand as we think of the Scripture and we think of God's dealings with us, we are given privileges from creation all the way through to the end what you receive from God and these relationships that you share with Him and these, these agreements that He's made with human beings, they are a gift from God as privileges to us. We're privileged people. We go way back to the creation. There's many things that unfolded at the beginning of creation that are so significant in community. But one of the most central features of Genesis chapter 1 is the fact that male and female are made in the image of God with equal dignity, equal value, and equal worth. That is God's 
idea from the very beginning as he plays out equal value, equal worth. There's many, many agreements that God makes with human beings. It's amazing that the God of the universe makes agreements with us. But there's a reality of what's called in Jeremiah 31, one of the last covenants of the Old Testament, which is called the New Covenant. It draws back on the covenant given to Israel in the Mosaic Covenant, but it fleshes out a new reality. God's great vision that, that the, the truths of God will not be on stone, but we, will be in the very hearts of people, embedded in the hearts of people. Someday, someday the people of God will truly be my people. That's all God envisioned from the beginning is that we share a relationship with him as privileged ones. They will know me from the least to the greatest. Anticipation of a time when all people will know him. It doesn't matter where you come from, the size of the tracks, it doesn't matter. From the least to the greatest, you will have equal access to God. And I will forgive your sins and I will remember them no more. Hearkening back to the Day of Atonement, but looking forward, anticipating the unbelievable forgiveness of Christ. The unbelievable forgiveness, which is the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. God's great love for us, the liberating gospel of Christ. The equalizer for all of us is the cross. Every one of us, because of our sinfulness and our fallenness, every one of us comes before the cross in a very equal way, recognizing our unbelievable need for the Savior. The Apostle Paul takes this new reality to an even a further step when he says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither slave nor free or male and female, for we are all one in Christ. The Apostle Paul envisions a new reality where the kinds of things that tend to divide people, and we see it in our culture, gender issues, ethnic issues, class issues that, that are dividing us. He envisions a new reality where we travel together in this spiritual community. We diminish our differences. We don't dissolve them recognizing they're there. But we diminish the differences because we want to share an unbelievable unity in Jesus Christ. That is front and center in all we do in the community of faith. Again, society doesn't help us at all as it pushes the bounds of our distinctions, which doesn't focus on what unites us at all. And we bring ourselves to the overwhelming sense of unity that we should experience as we come to the very table of Christ. We do this in a deep remembrance, as if we were there with Christ in the first time he shared the supper with his disciples. We move very quickly then to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, there's no praise for your meeting. It's not good when you get together. And you ask, why? Because there's deep divisions when they come together. And and he says, I believe it to some extent. The Apostle Paul is very careful. He has many of these clauses, and you read his writings, where he says, I'm going to check it out. I think it's true, but I want to make sure that it's true. When you come together and you share in community meal, it's divisive. You see, in the early church, history bears out that they had two kind of parts of the service when they came together on Sunday morning. The first part was a general service for anybody could come. Anybody anybody could come. They were all welcome to come to that as they framed that a lot around the worship practices of of the Jews. But then they had an intimate service, a second more intimate part of worship where they shared a meal A a, a time where they ate together, and out of that meal, they shared the most intimate part, the Lord's Supper. This was to be the most unifying thing they did together as a Christian church. This special meal that they shared so often together. I love to watch our Hispanic church. You know, we have a Hispanic church right now here. This is their church here. They meet after we're done. It seems like every time after they meet, they have a meal together. I smell all that wonderful food. 
They are similar to the early gatherings of the church. Food was brought to share with the whole community of faith. If you're able to bring something, some of the most needy and the poor were probably not able to bring little or very much at all, if anything. I have a very good friend of mine who died two years ago. We were friends for 27 years, and he was, by all natures, he was very, very poor. And Wednesday night, as people contributed to the Wednesday night meal we had in the Bemidji Church, he, he felt it needed that he would want to contribute in some way. Many of the times, the things he brought was, was food that had a, a date that had expired. It was stuff he picked up at a food shelf or something, but he really felt that he wanted to bring something to share. We had a dilemma. Are we going to serve this? We tried when we could because he wanted to contribute to be part of something that he could share. This special meal is of great value, particularly to the people who are poor and needy. They were in need for daily food, but they wanted to feel a part of the community of faith. They did not want it to appear that there was a great gulf between the haves and the have-nots in the body of Christ. You see, in the heathen religions of the day, they had feasts where the rich did invite the poor to eat together, even in such a class-conscious society as ancient Rome. And they even did better, sadly enough to say, than the church of Jesus Christ did in many instances at this time. You see, verse 21 identifies the problem, the core problem. It appears that the rich did not wait for the poor in this special time together and come and share the meal together. They went, this upper class in the church, ahead, indulged and gorged themselves in food and drank and became drunk. Little concern of the poor among them who were their brothers and sisters. Those who most needed food and drink were deprived and remained hungry, humiliating to the poor. In this community that calls themselves one body, Paul is upset, and he should be. You see, the problem, there was an insensitive disregard for the poor by the rich in what they call a love feast. They did not share this meal together as one church, total disregard for others. You see, God deeply wants us to care for the most disadvantaged ones among us with genuine love and care that respects them as people made in the image of God and ones who are equally recreated in the image of Jesus Christ, our Savior. This division and lack of care is, is taking communion, this sacred meal, in an unworthy manner, unworthy manner that Paul is talking about. He wants us to examine ourselves because of this unworthy manner. I want to dispel a myth that's not at all in this passage. It's the idea we come to a communion with this heavy introspection, examining ourselves and dredging up any hidden sins before, before or while we take communion. That is not there at all envisioned in this passage whatsoever. We come to the table realizing every time we share together that we are unworthy. We come to celebrate the unbelievable, powerful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The early church recognized, sometimes they designated Friday as a day where they would look at their lives for repentance. Repentance is important. That should be every day for us. That when they came together on Sunday, the Lord's Supper was an unbelievable, joyous occasion celebrating God's grace. Folks, the solution is this. When we share the Lord's Supper, we do it together. We recognize our shared oneness in Christ. What is this unworthy manner that elicits the judgment of God? He makes a render of a judgment and causes deep harm to people who were some were weak and some were sick. Listen carefully, folks. If we come to the table of God and do not recognize our equality in Christ Jesus with anyone who is a believer, the one who shares the table with you, you might be excluding them in your heart. 
considering them unworthy, just like shunning the needy in the early church experience. We do not have meals. We do not, we're not this morning going to have a big meal together. We're going to share the intimate part of the meal they shared. This ritual that's so important that we share as one body. If you come to this table this morning feeling in some way that you are better, your class or whatever it is, is better than somebody else who's going to share this table with you. Or if you're envious of somebody else who is of another class, it works in the reverse too. You are taking this in an unworthy manner, and it's worthy of evaluating your hearts. If you come thinking that your race is more superior than another race, knowing that God loves all, and you come with that kind of attitude that you have, or display that in your life, you are coming to the table in an unworthy manner, and it's worthy of proper evaluation of your heart. If you come thinking that your gender is more important than the other gender, if you think that you're coming to the table in an unworthy manner and you need to evaluate your heart. Let me take communion together, folks. We celebrate God's grace through Jesus Christ. We examine our hearts. We repent if we feel that a sister and brother is not equal at the foot of cross with us. Once we get it right, folks, once we get it right when we walk through the doors of this church, we find our common unity that transcends all our differences. That common unity that we find in Christ that brings us to this special table so that we can journey together, not excluding anybody in our hearts and our minds and our actions, particularly those who need God's love and care. Who are you bringing with you? Who are you going to bring with you in your heart today? Let's pray. Gracious God, I am so grateful that you and your great love from the very beginning of time have placed such enormous value on human beings and such enormous value on those who are recreated in the very image of Christ that comprise this unbelievable family of God. Father, help us to realize that we stand together. We stand together at the foot of the cross recognizing together what Christ has done for us. Father, may our differences, although important, may not divide us. May we sense the, something that transcends that, which is our deep unity with you. And Father, we realize that it's amazing what the church of Jesus Christ is like. So as we take this morning the table of God, help we not to come in an unworthy manner in our hearts, but in a manner that's worthy in recognition of the, the power and reality of Christ this day. Amen.